0: You are listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders podcast network. Here's your host, JT the Brick.
1: Former defensive tackle for the Silver and Black. Wow, he played in some big games. Mike McCoy, kind enough to join us. Mike, good to talk to you. How's your day going?
2: Well, JT, uh, thank you very much. It's uh, great down here living in Florida, and I can walk and talk and chew gum at the same time (laughs) at age 72, so I'm blessed.
1: You are blessed. 72, living in Florida, great weather, and, you know, what a career. From the Green Bay Packers to the Raiders, and after you moved on from the Raiders Take me back to Erie, Pennsylvania, as a young kid playing multiple sports, and when football stuck with you, and you knew you could play it at a high level.
2: My sophomore year in high school is the first time I played football because of my coach, Tony Zambrowski, encouraged me to go out. When I went, when I transferred to Cathedral Prep, I was actually in the seminary my freshman year in high school, and uh, and so I didn't start playing football. I was too big. I was five foot five hundred eighty-five pounds in fifth grade. I was a little overweight. So I played a little basketball and that was about it. So it was football my sophomore year and went out for wrestling and, and, you know, the rest is history.
1: So you end up getting to college at this point and the opportunity to play at the next level. Talk about this, Notre Dame. From from a kid who didn't play in the 10th grade to eventually go to Notre Dame, how'd you make that transition?
2: Well, it's because a lot of people around me that encouraged me and hard work, and, uh, you know, I went to an all-boys school, 1,200 of us, coat and tie, academic excellence, athletic excellence, and our headmaster discipline. And so all those things contributed to that and uh, and just kind of sticking in there during those down times that we all have. And and then being recruited by Ira Parsegian, which was great because Notre Dame was just starting to come back in the mid-60s and almost won a national championship his first year. So my first year was '66. And we did win a national championship my freshman year. So that was a great four years for me out of Notre Dame.
1: Mike McCoy joins us. Mike, what was it like playing there with Touchdown Jesus, that campus on game day, and just the <laughs> experience in college? What I, I've been there twice, and every time from the grotto walking around, it's football heaven.
2: Yeah, it's unbelievable, you know, and it was a special time in the 60s when I was there. It was an all-boys school. Not that I don't have anything against girls, don't get me wrong, because my daughter went there when they finally opened it up to women. But uh, it was a different camaraderie. Uh, people were crazy. They were, but they were good crazy, you know, mm-hmm. and very nice and uh, congenial to our opponents until they got on the football field for us. So it was, uh, it was a special time, and you know, touchdown Jesus in the Grotto and. And I lived, you know, I lived in one of those dorms between those two for four years, so it was very, very blessed.
1: Mike McCoy is our guest. So the Green Bay Packers, 1970, the NFL draft, uh, picked by Green Bay, the second player overall selected. You go on to be the Packers' rookie of the year from Notre Dame to the famed Green Bay Packers. Again, what a blessing! You could have went anywhere. You end up going to one of the famous franchises right out of college.
2: Yeah, it was like a, another Notre Dame. You know, even though they're kind of on a downhill. Mm-hmm slide there for a while my my rookie year Vincent lombardi died so we had phil benson was our coach in 71 they hired uh, dan devine and we did win a national championship or not a national but a central division championship in 72 and uh, so i played for uh, dan and then they fired him and hired bart starr and i played for bart uh, in 76 was his first year and uh, played against uh, the raiders in milwaukee and probably had one of my best games in the nfl my nfl career against the raiders that won the super bowl that year and Well, lo and behold, in 77, I find myself in August being a Raider.
1: Tell me about that transition with Al Davis. You played great in that game. He saw it. Did you have a relationship with Mr. Davis before that? And when did you know he was interested in bringing you on board?
2: I had none. None at all. Just the rumors you hear, you know, which are not true. And I had a couple friends, Monty Johnson and Dave Rowe, that were on that team that I knew for years. And uh, I had a practice session and came back from that. It was right before the exhibition season was going to end up in Green Bay. And came back home, and my wife came to me, my late wife, Kia, says, Hey, Dave Rowe just called. He says, You're a raider. I said, What? Oh yeah, Green Bay just called and they say, Why don't you go back to the office? And that's how I found out. Wow. It was through Dave Rowe and they made the they made the they made the call right before exhibition game so, exhibition season ended that year.
1: So Mike McCoy's, I guess, you, you join a team that just won a Super Bowl, a band of renegades. I, I gotta ask you what that training camp was like, the rumors that you heard coming in. <laughs> you you talked about your background <laughs> and the discipline and then you get to the Raiders. <laughs> what was that first training camp like?
2: Uh it was a it was a it was a mind blowing experience, let yeah. me put it that way. It's just uh, the team was great. They, they assimilated very well with these guys, and they're all great guys. And, you know, some of were a little bit crazy, and they did some crazy things, but it was fun. You know, we worked very hard, but it was fun. And Coach Madden was tremendous. Completely opposite of what I thought he was. I mean, he hardly s- spoke during the week during, during practice, and he was a very low key guy, but very, very, very detailed. And on Sunday, you know, he had the enthusiasm Saturday and Sunday. And so it was a great experience that rookie year. And my very first game with the Raiders was the was the, against San Diego when uh, Stabler kicked the ball forward and then mm-hmm. Banasek kicked in the end zone and that Notre Dame guy named Casper jumped on it and we scored a touchdown and and you are looking around and that was my first game he says run into the locker room before oh, they change their the holy mind. roller the and, holy roller that was roller. my introduction to Raider football
1: the holy roller one of the most uh, important games and historic games but you might have been a part in a negative game maybe one of the biggest of all time the Rob Lytle fumble and you yeah, picked up that yeah, ball and you walked me the- about
2: that a lot. It, yeah, you- Especially as you get a little bit older and how that would have changed destiny and you know that first year we we battled and we're in a playoff game against Denver in Denver you know Dave Rowe was a starting nose tackle and I would rotate with Dave once in a while be, then I'd be on short yardage and goal line situations and so Dave and I were in the middle and I you know I came through came underneath and I just heard a big big crack and that was uh that was Tatum hitting Rob Lytle coming over the coming over the top, and. I get up and the ball's sitting on the three yard line. I pick it up and I start running down the field. And I said, "No one's going to catch me," you know, because uh, I was probably had a twenty yard head start. Right. And then uh, when I got to the fifty yard line, looked over and I see El- I see John Madden put his hands on it. And I look back and-, and the referees are looking for the ball. So I came back. I said, "It's a fumble," you know. I have it. Ah, oh, there's no fumble. There's there's I said there was no whistle, and you didn't have instant replay then. And after the game, they were- they were uh, interviewing Rob Lytle. and he said he didn't fumble. And of course, they showed him fumbling. And I pick up the ball and I'm gone, so that would have been quite a history-making thing with the Raiders. And and I understand Mr. Davis used that play mm-hmm. to get instant replay back in the league. And who knows? You know, we that was a 14-point turnaround. So that yes. would have been my first Super Bowl with the Raiders, and uh, that was pretty disappointing. Uh, definitely, Mike. I want to stay with that. That is
1: one. of A lot of young Raider fans are listening to us now on Raider Nation Radio, and I want to I want to stay with this because. The Raiders, when they broke through and won their first Super Bowl, should have won more before that. The 70s era was incredible with the undefeated Dolphins, the battles with Kansas City, the Steelers. And you think of how many Super Bowls the Raiders should have. And this was a championship game that would have brought you to the Super Bowl against the Cowboys where... This would have been a team going for back to back Super Bowls. I gotta stay with this. This was one of the most important plays and important bad calls in the history of the n f l that went against the Raiders and you're running the length of the field for a touchdown oh, yeah. and as you said I youtube yeah. it. no one would have caught you because of the head start yeah,
2: Plus that oh. was pretty fast at two hundred and eighty yes. pounds <laughs> hey that that, that yeah uh, that was uh, uh yeah, you look back at that particular play, and because I think we would have matched up very well with the uh, with Dallas and our team and their team It would have been a great Super Bowl. You know, then Denver got down there and they they laid an egg. Yes, they didn't even play in the game, which is ridiculous. And uh, so that that really changed the Raider history. And you look back, and you look back against the Steelers. There should have been another Super Bowl. And uh, so they 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 uh, they seem to be taken away from the Raiders for whatever reason.
1: Uh, as we wrap this up, this this is a really important interview to me because I remember that play and I've always wanted to talk to you, Mike. At once a Raider, always a Raider. What are you doing with your life now? And you know how do you feel being known as a Raider? You're also known as a great Packer, but the Raiders are really happy that you're involved as an alumni. and Would love to do more with you.
2: Well, absolutely. You know, that that phrase, once a Raider, always a Raider, and I was there for two years, and I've probably gone back and done more things with the Raiders than any other team that I played for, the Packers and the Giants. And you, I felt very, very, I feel very at home with the Raiders, very accepted, and made some great friendships with the Raiders organization and my teammates out there. So once a Raider, always a Raider. And then when Mark Davis sent me this letter about three months ago that uh, we're all getting a brick in the new stadium, that just blew me away. And he didn't have to do that, but he did. And uh, I sent him a nice thank you note. And uh, so I'm looking forward to coming back and, next year when they open up uh, open up this country and get us back going again and coming back to that stadium to be part of the Raider nation again.
1: Hey as we're wrapping up the interview, Fred Bolitnikoff just texted me, another Erie guy. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: How about that? That from Erie Fred Bolitnikoff, Mike, you're from Erie, Pennsylvania. Was it in the water? Was it the discipline? It was just a place to <laughs> place to be at the time,
2: huh? Oh, Erie had some great athletes, yeah. absolutely. And you know, Fred was an all time great one and his brother was a great athlete too and and when I when I first went out to the Raider organization and we're at uh at the training camp in Alameda and I walk in and you know, here's Fred sitting there and it was just great to to see him and uh develop a relationship with him because I was four years younger than Fred mm-hmm. but uh knew about him and met him a very few times but developed a really neat relationship with Fred, and we would have some some uh, touch football games on Monday, uh, Fred and I, and, and Jack Tatum and another guy, and we had fun. Great, Mike.
1: Good to talk to you. Let's do it again. Really appreciate your time.
2: All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, JJ. You
1: got it. Mike McCoy.
2: Touchdown, Las Vegas.
0: Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians, but we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety on the ground and in the air because the further we go now the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow allegiant the official airline of the
1: las vegas raiders low fares nonstop flights only at allegiant.com i'm thrilled to talk to my friend john condo former two-time pro bowl long snapper for the silver and black john good to talk to you i hope you and your family are doing great how are you
3: Hey JT, how are you? Thanks for having
1: me on today. Oh, doing really good. You've been here before. Raiders got off to a good start, two and zero. They dropped the last two, and Patrick Mahomes is looming. What's it been like watching the Raiders on TV, especially this gorgeous new stadium from afar?
3: Yeah, I mean, like what you just said, they they fell out two and zero, and there's a lot of excitement, and and then uh, you know it, it just happens. You, you run into some, some games that you you know things don't go your way, and. Um, but it's 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 a it's a marathon, not a race, as you know, and, and uh yeah, they have a tough matchup this week I think with, with Pat Mahomes and the and the Chiefs. But uh the good thing is it's it's you know, it's in K- Kansas City, which, you know, I don't know for whatever reason I would enjoy playing there and I think it's a great opportunity for the for the current Raiders team to go in there and, and uh, you know, show uh showcase what they what they can do against, you know, the defending Super Bowl champs. Yeah. Uh, I mean not I don't wanna say whether they have to lose, but there's not a lot of people probably giving them a lot of a chance right now going uh, heading into this game, especially going against this quarterback and uh, in, in their offense and whatnot. But again, you know, their, their backs, you know, not that their backs are against the wall, but they should go out there iron off cylinders and be aggressive and do whatever they got to do to come out with a win.
1: John Gondo joins us. And, yeah, John, I wanted to talk to you about the special teams aspect so far. Daniel Carlson's doing a nice job, and you know their their yeah. special teams haven't helped them or hurt them other than a couple of big kicks. When you're playing a superior team, such as a team like the Raiders are facing now in Kansas City, what are those discussions like during the week when you say we cannot kick it to one of their returners? They're so they're so good. Kick it out of the back of the end zone, or try to coffin corner it, or just flat out mm-hmm. kick it out of bounds. We don't want to see a return. What are those meetings like?
3: Yeah, so, so it's it's it starts right when you walk in there uh, first you know, a week. It's you know you talk about you know all three phases and what what do you need to do, and especially with the Kansas City Chiefs with the Andy Andy Reid coach team, it seems you know especially with the Turner they have uh, and and, and, their, and the, the kickers they have, it, it seems that they are always in the top tier in the NFL in uh, average starting uh, field position. And um that was our biggest thing every, every time when we played the we we had to be we had to win the the field started field position battle uh so and it and it starts with everything you know or it starts with you know obviously kicking but it, all three phases have has you know uh their their part and or role in doing that you know defense you know they have to have you know short you know they have to have some three and outs to get them to punt the ball back into their you know from you know back in their uh, zone, kicking it out. Um, they can't be giving up, you know, eight, ten yard uh, play drives. Yeah, they might not give up points, but they, if they're kicking from the fifty, you know, they used to have a punter that, you know, Dustin Colquitt that would like is notorious for pinning people inside a ten yard line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's tough as an offense starting the ball inside a ten. You know, statistically, that doesn't you know go too well for the offense. Uh, and, and then on offense, you know, you got you got to get drives. You know, if you're not scoring on drives, you got you got to have you know six, seven, eight play drives where you could punt around midfield to back them up. Um, so, so it's all three phases really has a role in field position, but it's definitely critical, you know, to get back to your point with the returners. Uh, it's, it's, you know, basically, you know, especially a teams coordinator, you know, you have to challenge your team. You know, you, you have to get up there and say, hey, I am challenging guys this week not to give up, you know, or, or mm-hmm. you know, to, to make this guy, you know, not return the ball. Um, put a lot of pressure on your catcher, obviously, or your punter. Um, to have great kicks but you know it's not on him it's 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 your coverage team as well you know they have to be running down the field with a sense of urgency to, to knowing know that this play could be the play that can change you know the face of the game whether it's you know a big return or whether it's a, a strip fumble or a you know or a tackle for loss with no return
1: John Kondo joins us former pro bowler long snapper great teammate made captain for the Raiders. Great to have him on the radio, John. It was nice with Shane Leckler and Sebastian Janikowski and you. when you knew that you had to have a great game. As has there been times where you felt special teams were the difference in taking the team maybe out of a funk and having back to back good weeks and getting the team winning and rolling again.
3: Oh yeah, I mean there, there, there's been plenty of instances uh where you know I mean I don't want to downplay you know the teams I have played on, but I. I've, my first year of the Raiders in 2006, I think we were 2-14. and 14. I was on the practice squad then, and then going on, there was a couple four-win seasons, so, I mean, there were several years where it seems like the highlight of the team was, you know, obviously the kicking game. You know, we had to, we had a partner that was, you know, continuously going to the pro bowl every year. We had one of the best kickers in the league. Uh, we had we had a lot of speed on our team back then, and, and, and when you have a lot of speed, you can make a lot of dynamic plays, and I think we made a lot, you know, during uh, my time there, and there are times where, you know, there are games where, you know, I remember when we kicked five field goals and, you know, we, mm-hmm. we scored, we scored like maybe, maybe just 15 points. You know, I remember one game, I think Chicago, I want to say when Governor Hester was a returner and our coach challenged us uh, that we're, Hey, we're going to punt him. We're not afraid we got the speed to cover this guy, you know? Um, and, and we did it. We returned him or we contained him easily. And well, I don't say easily, but we contained him and had fun doing it. We The coach challenged us and we, we, we accepted that, that challenge and, and And, in the kicking game, Sebastian made five kicks and we won the game and and there's, there's been several games like that during my career, and it's always fun because when you walk in there the next day, especially after a win, and you know you go over the film and it, it seems like over half of the highlight films was just special teams plays and it's, it's always you know being a special teams guy, it's always good to know and uh I don't know it's, it's nice to see that.
1: John Condo, as we wrap it up, I think people need to understand your story, especially those in Vegas who haven't gotten to know you as well. You come into the league undrafted with the Cowboys, you win the job, then you get waived, you go to New England, you sign, and then you were released in August, so you weren't there for that long. And then your whole life and career changes when you're signed by the Raiders to their practice squad. You end up going to two yeah. Pro Bowls. I mean, you, you? I've never asked you this, and I've known you a while. Were you ever at a point where you were saying, "Hey, this is just not going to work out," and I got to go get my life going in a different manner. How did you fight through the, all of this adversity early?
3: Well, yeah, there, there definitely was a point. I know I remember when I got the call from the Raiders. I was on a uh, I was on a, a, a ladder on the second uh, painting a second story window on uh, you know the Monday after Thanksgiving in Pennsylvania. So it was about thirty five to forty degrees. So my hands were freezing cold, and I couldn't felt like I couldn't grip the paintbrush. And um, I got the call and. I just said, <laughs> gave my dad's news and said, hey, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm trying out for the Raiders. And I uh, went out there, worked out, had a great workout. Fortunately, didn't get the job, but they had a, a spot open on the pack squad as a linebacker uh, for, you know, a defense spot. And uh, They knew I played linebacker in college, mm-hmm. uh, what I actually reminded them to. And uh, they said, well, we need a spot, you know, and you don't want to fight any linebackers out right now because, you know, we practice tomorrow. So, you know, the job's yours if you want it. So I, so I took the job and, um, kind of the rest of history. I, next year we, we, uh, Lane Kiffin came in and, and, um, and, and Brian Schneider, the special teams coach, and they're like, Hey, we want a pure snapper. Cause if you recall the previous snapper, that of true, who, yeah. who doubled up as a, you know, as like the six off line and long snapper. Um, so I was basically the first kind of like true long snapper that the Raiders had that, that was my full position. And, um, I was very fortunate, obviously for for Mr. Davis at the time to to go ahead. That I, I was probably tough for him to do, knowing that you know he didn't have to waste a roster spot on you know another specialist, um, which teams were kind of starting to go towards that trend then. But uh, yeah, so I, I just seem to work hard. I, I I I always viewed myself as an underdog, um, you know, an underachiever, you know, and I uh, competed every single day, you know. Uh, with myself, you know, try to try to outdo myself from the previous day because you never know when you're last. You know, I've been cut twice, and I I, know, I remember heading into the Raiders and said, you know, I want to end on my term. I don't want someone coming to come tap me on my shoulder saying, hey, you know, we're going to release you. We don't want you anymore. And, and that's kind of what drove me for my uh, throughout my career.
1: Man, it's a great story of perseverance. It really is being on that ladder, painting in the cold, wondering if you're going to be a football <laughs> player, and then you get that opportunity. And then you're sitting in a couple of Pro Bowls playing. That is just a phenomenal Raider story historically. Tell everybody what you're doing now with your family, where you're at, and hopefully when we're going to see you down the road with this COVID. We don't know, but I know you're going to be out here a lot when you get the green light.
3: Oh, definitely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I moved to Arizona uh, with my family and uh, trying to, you know, not necessarily, you know, I, I'm in, in the hopes of starting a second career. Wanted to keep busy, not sure what yet, um, but. I can't sit around doing nothing. I I need to keep you know my mind working. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I just don't want to get stale and just sitting around and, and getting in a bad place or anything like that. So I I just want to keep moving, keep doing stuff, keep me active. Um, but yeah, definitely watching the Raiders every every week, and and I'm closer now, I believe, than when I was in the Bay Area to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. which is a plus. And and I definitely can't wait to to see that new stadium. That, that's gonna, I mean, from TV uh, point of view, it looks. Unbelievable and I can imagine it looks that good on T V it's probably even better wow. in person.
1: You gotta see it. My wife was there last night. They had a friends and family viewing and my wife took my son and he brought two friends and she came home and she was just in shock. I mean, I'm there uh, for I'm there for every game, home and on the road, but You know, she saw more aspects of the stadium than I did last night, and it's just great. You're going to have a great time when you're coming out here with your wife. Hey, man, you might sit in for me. You know, my my brain gets fried every once in a while. Come out here for a week and take over for me, okay? You can do it. Oh, man, that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. All right, John, I'll talk to you soon. All the best. All right, take care. All right, John Gondo. What What a great story. Dave Stahl's kind enough to join us. Former defensive end tackle could do it all. Played for the Cowboys when he came in. Won Super Bowls for Dallas and the LA Raiders. And he's kind enough to join us on Raider Nation Radio. Dave, thanks for doing this. How are you, sir?
0: I'm doing really well. How about you, JT?
1: Really good. I wanna start off with your career. As I was doing research, you were a hockey player growing up as a kid. So <laughs> football came to you a little bit later. We're a hockey town now in Vegas with the Golden Knights. What was it like growing up on skates, dreaming of being a hockey player?
0: It was fabulous. You know, growing up in Wisconsin, well there were two things that were going on. One was the Chicago Blackhawks over to the east little bit south and then of course the same time the green bay packers at the height of you know the late 50s and through the 60s and you know churches churches made their schedule according to the packers schedule it was a beautiful time to uh, just be a part of that wisconsin area
1: yeah americana the heyday it's unbelievable so when did when did football come into your life when did you decide with your size and strength and hockey that you were going to go in a different direction and, and follow that sport
0: yeah, I didn't really have much choice. my My mother uh, got remarried. The person she remarried was in southern Ohio, Hamilton, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati, and they didn't have any uh, ice. They had no ice. So I had to uh, take up another violent sport. And as you know, Ohio,, uh, Texas, Pennsylvania, other clay states are just crazy about football. and so, that's where I discovered football was uh, in junior high in uh, in uh, in Ohio.
1: Well, before we get to Al Davis, when you came into the league out of northern Colorado, I see the Dallas Cowboys, and I work at the same company also as Gil Brandt on Sirius X Oh, really? And I, I, yeah. Yeah, what, what was that like? Because Gil is now a Hall of Famer for the way he evaluated talent and individuals like yourself to come into that Cowboy oh way that's a great team to be drafted from at that time in the seventh round the 191st pick take me through that process
0: well that was pretty amazing i was pretty shocked that the cowboys picked me up but then in some ways i wasn't shocked because the cowboys prided themselves on being one of the first teams ever to use computers to actually track athletes in smaller lesser-known schools and at that time, University of Northern Colorado was Division Two, And they found me, I think partially because of uh, a, uh, a scout that worked for um, uh, Colorado State University. Um, and um, they found me, and uh, it was just amazing to go into a rookie year with Tony Dorsett and Tony Hill and a number of wow. other of us that were fortunate enough to make the team that year. And then, of course, to go on that year and win the Super Bowl uh, against the Broncos, and then our second year go to the Super Bowl and and lose against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But it was an amazing game, um, and it was so you know after my second year, I'm like, well, that's what you do. You always go to the Super Bowl. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, Super Bowl twelve. Before we get to Super Bowl fifteen, so the culture. I'm going to get to that with the Raiders too. Uh, we having a great conversation with Dave Stalls, former Raider. So the culture. You came into a great culture of scouting and talent evaluation, depth, depth on the Dallas Cowboys. But right into it when you started, Dave, you're playing in the biggest games in NFL history. That must have been fascinating.
0: It was fascinating, and at times, of course, uh, pretty intimidating, uh, yeah. coming from you know northern Colorado where. My first, I think, my first game was against, you know, Colorado School of Mines, and so going from that and playing uh, in the NFL for the Cowboys, and of course, at that time we were America's team, and promoting that as a team, uh, doing really, really uh, sophisticated marketing that nowadays would not be so sophisticated, what back in the day was, and every single town we went to had crowds waiting for us in, in these in these visiting cities because they really marketed them as America's team.
1: Dave Stalls is our guest. Then you go to Tampa, and the culture there is different before you get to the Raiders. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I said that nicely, the best way I could say it. Oh, man. You know, what was that like? What was different? that like? Yeah, 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 How do you handle that? The difference
0: that? between a Tom Landry and a John McKay, um, and then uh, finishing my career the last couple of years with the Raiders. Um, I don't know that you could find – three more different philosophies of managing and motivating people, whether it was football or any other business, they were so totally different. And the lessons that I learned from trying to achieve in all three of those affected me for the rest of my life. And especially the lessons that I learned from Al Davis, even in that short exposure towards the end of my career, um, absolutely life changing.
1: Uh, Dave, it's interesting. We're talking to Dave Stalls. I'm looking at your career here, and one of the one of our mutual friends, John Otten. I texted him. I texted him a lot about players who played in your era, and he talked about how much football you played that year. The Denver Gold, the Super Bowl. He <laughs> said you were a, you were a lunch pail type guy. Played hard. One of the toughest uh, guys we had, and helped us win the Super Bowl over the Redskins. And you know, that's what I wanted to get into the, the meat of this interview is mm-hmm. that you come to the Raiders at that time. It's a really good team. You find your role, and then you're playing in another group of big games where the Raiders and Al Davis and Tom Flores, they really counted on you at the right time to be the player that you were with your leadership and experience and make big plays. Talk about the Raider years.
0: You know, the Raider years literally changed me as a human being. Um, again, I had the pleasure of being a Dallas Cowboy. I had the pleasure of being uh, with Tampa Bay and had amazing experience with both of them. But when I put the silver and black on, it, something changed in me, uh, around me, through me. It was just absolutely life changing. Um, and it, it still affects me to this day. I mean, for many, many years, in the last 30 years, I've worked with gangs and on the streets and and it's becoming a Raider that allowed me to step into that world and learn and listen and be relevant. And the Raiders were just incredible. The, the release of the animal, it wasn't taught, it wasn't talked about, it just was. I thought the inner animal of a defensive lineman had been nurtured and released as a cowboy in Tampa. But when I put that Raider uniform on, not even close. It just really, really allowed me to step in to a violent self that um, uh, I hope I contributed as much as possible to you know, the Raider victories. And to this day, I consider myself a Raider more than anything, uh, and mainly because of the people there that accepted me and welcomed them into their world. Just absolutely a
1: blessing. We love this conversation with Dave Stahls, two time Super Bowl champion. So let me follow up with that because the Raiders need that going into this Kansas City game. I mean, you weren't a Raider in the beginning and you came there. So you look at this game and the violence you talked about and what came out when you put that helmet on and the colors of silver and black. I really think that the Raiders are trying to find that now. They're young players mm-hmm. like Max Crosby and Cleveland Farrell. If you could talk to these young defensive players, defensive linemen, Dave, what would you tell them about this rivalry and what it meant to you to beat the Chiefs? You know, uh,
0: <laughs> I'm sorry to say it. The Chiefs weren't that big a deal in the past. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean they were it, it, when you, when you were a Raider going into a foreign stadium, you were always the bad guy, and every single other team and every other player was trying to prove themselves in this game how tough they were. And so you always had to look out for each other and ourselves because they were trying to prove themselves as being bad against the bad boy. And so whether it was the Chiefs or the Broncos or any other team, you know, yes, there was some extra motivation for being, you know, in the same division and, uh, and, and heading toward the playoffs. But I feel like it was that special to play against the Chiefs or even the Broncos. Um, and so, but now, yes, I mean, with the Chiefs doing as well as they did last year and, and, and good for them. Uh, And as well as they're doing this year, these guys are professionals. They will know. I think one of the things, one of the things I hope I brought to the Super Bowl with the Raiders was the experience of losing a Super Bowl with the Cowboys. And what you learn by losing a Super Bowl is you learn that you're not the number two team in the world. You're the world's biggest loser. Everybody sees you lose. And I tried to get that across to every player. Is It is not an option. It is not an option to go to the Super Bowl and lose. And hopefully there was some uh, of that, that that helped us. I, I am very proud, though, that that the Chiefs have done so well. And if the Raiders beat them this weekend, wow, they're going to earn it.
1: Wow, I'm just blown away by our conversation. This is outstanding. Finally, you gave us a lot in this conversation, but I want to end it. Once a Raider, always a Raider. What does it mean for you to be considered a Raider for the rest of your life?
0: It, it means a great deal, a, a, a really, really a great deal. Um, as I said, the, a lot of the a lot of the influence on me was because of many incredible players surrounding me from. You know Chris Barr and a Ray Guy to, you know Howie Long and Lyle Elzado and Mike Davis and Matt Millen. I mean, oh, just incredible. Ted Hendricks. I mean, just unbelievable people and names and legends. Charlie Hannah and Dave Dalby. Oh my gosh, they just they being around them just taught me so much. But then, so did you know the coaches Charlie Sumner and and Earl Leggett. Um, oh my gosh, just incredible. But. More than anybody, it was Al Davis. He asked me a couple of questions that changed my life. One was on the first day of me practicing there. He comes up and stands next to me in practice and introduces himself. This is Al Davis, you know, Hall of Fame, everything. And he comes up, walks up to me and says, you know what? I've watched you and the teams that you've played for. Now you've been one day of practice with us. You know, I'm thinking, well, what, do you, what are you thinking? What do I need to know about our defense? This is Al Davis asking me. And he gave me the ultimate respect of a player playing for him by asking me his opinion. I hope that as I learned to manage and motivate people, I, I learned that lesson from him, and I hope I applied it all my life. He, he gave me lessons like that, that I could tell you at length, but I'll leave it at that. He, he changed my life and just how he ran the Raiders. I will always and uh, and welcome welcome the Raiders saying that I am a Raider.
1: Dave, an absolute honor and pleasure. I can't wait to break bread with you. See out here in Vegas, so you could see your brick at the stadium. Come on in and get treated the way you should, as a great member of this family. Let's do it again. I'm gonna I'm gonna be calling you again down the road because I want to continue these conversations. Thank you so much. I look forward to it. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the Game Plan on the official Raiders podcast network.